welcome back to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy. And I'm Pastor George. And we're finally back. I was I was wow. sitting here trying to remember how this all works. It has been a bit of a layoff uh, for us. Hiatus. It's hiatus. a hiatus. Well, it was a vacation, really. Um, uh, some of it. Some of it was vacation. Other, Some of it was um, just Christmas season. Some of it was COVID. You know, all those fun things. Some of it is just a... Uh, Computer that was dinging in my ear. So we're gonna fix that one here too. Look at that. It's like I said, we're just trying to remember how all this stuff works. So, uh, but for those of you who have been part of our podcast community, we're grateful that you're back with us, and uh, looking forward to diving into today's topic. So um, we uh, will begin this morning with a, a conversation uh, about a new theological uh, term of the week. <laughs> The Theological Term of the Week. And this week that term is? Election. Election. All right, so we're kind of working through um, the, uh, the, some of these ideas that are centered around Calvinism, right? Yeah, mostly, um, but talking about salvation. But, but How does really that happen? Yeah, we're talking about salvation. Yeah. Some of these things come out of what John Calvin had to say. Right. Uh, or um, the beginnings of what he said that we've taken from there and... Um, so it's not strictly just Calvinistic ideas. These are ideas that are within the, the, the body of our faith um, and uh, things that have been debated o- over the years for sure. You know what the fun thing is? What's that? Uh, John Calvin never developed the TULIP concept, T-U-L-I-P, because among other things, Calvin spoke French. So well, Sure, yeah. yeah so <laughs> I, I've often said to people, that I'm not sure John Calvin would be a full five-point Calvinist. Yeah, well, it's, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, he, it, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of terms that we just don't understand. We don't exactly know how we use them. But, uh, you know, when we talk about election, we're talking about God's choice and what God does in choosing us. Um, and so, you know, the Calvinistic, the tulip statement is unconditional election, identifying that when I'm when God chose me to be a believer, uh, that His choice was something that wasn't conditioned by anything that I said or did, and that's that's the concept of unconditional election. So that's the idea, but we really have to kind of go, delve into a little bit the whole idea of you know God choosing us. Yeah, because I think we get hung up. This is a big hang up. Um, I I think for some extent, to some extent, I think most people can be. Comfortable with the idea that um, God chose us to be part of His family, like there's this, like we, you know, we use the ideas around adoption. True. With this, right? Like, right. You know, you 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 specifically chose this child to be part of your family. God specifically chose people to be part of His family, um, and I, and I think a lot of us can kind of get that. Um, and then obviously we see that in Scripture with you know passages from Ephesians and so on. Titus, my oh, favorite Titus. one, Titus, which yeah. says that. Uh, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy that you have saved us. And that's 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 the clearest statement of unconditional election that there ever is going to be. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's not a. There were there were no preconditions. There were no steps you had to go through in advance. No mountains you needed to climb. No you know specific levels of penance you had to go through or states of being that you had to assume. Um, no no precondition. God's offering this to you without 
Right. So um, here, are the, here are the requirement. two issues. Here are the two issues with unconditional election or with election. The first one is kind of a chicken and or egg concept, mm-hmm. and that is, which comes first, faith or grace? Mm-hmm. So my view of election says that my that God's grace comes first, enabling my faith. Mm-hmm. While there are those who will say no, faith in God comes first, and then God shows us grace. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what empowers humanity to say, well, I'm in control of this. I have, I have faith, therefore God shows me grace. But it's, it's always spelled out in Scripture in the New Testament that it's always grace first. Yeah, It's always grace that motivates my faith. So I'm unconditionally elected because God, sh- God chooses to show me grace. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it is the whole idea of, well, then what happens to my, to my choice right. in yeah. this matter? Yeah. And, uh, you know, does, does God choose me or do I choose God? And the answer to that question from a biblical perspective is God does. Yeah. You know, God does the choosing. He chooses me to salvation. And, and therein is the statement, is that what is God's choice? That's the second question. So which, the first one was, which comes first, uh, grace or faith? But the second one is, what is God choosing? Mm-hmm. And, and what God is doing is he's choosing out of the many some. Mm. He's choosing some for salvation because the many have chosen sin. And that second part is <coughs> excuse me, so key because... If you look at it just in terms of God chooses some, it gets hard for us to wrap our minds around that and God's goodness because, well, wouldn't a good God choose all? Um, and, you know, and and so and it feels, it it feels too exclusive for the God that we've kind of mentally created or that we think we understand from Scripture that He would only choose some and not choose all, especially in, re- in regards to certain Scriptures when you talk about. His coming for the world and, and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. so that part is hard, but I think the second part is so key to understanding that 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 we've already made our choice as humanity. Yes, we have. All all of us. We have all chosen. This is Romans. We have all chosen not God. When given the option of God or not God, every single person chooses not God. Right. Um, and so yet, despite are choosing not God always as our default option, God would give us um, this irresistible grace, which will be (laughs) later, I guess. But like this, this extension, this offer without condition that says, I know you've chosen otherwise. I still want you. Right. And here's, here's the fallacy, which is ironic in um, Gottschalkism. Uh, I'll spell it. G O T S C H A L K hyphen ism, right? Yeah. yeah. Godshalk is the guy who actually puts uh puts the words in and develops the concept that's often called hyper Calvinism. Mm-hmm. The uh, the concept that God chooses for heaven but also chooses for hell. Right. And it's that flip side that right. gets icky. <laughs> and that's where yeah, that's the icky side, right? So so Godshalk identifies the our posits that, well, if God chooses, chooses for heaven, then obviously he's chosen those who are gone, going to hell. And that's not Calvinism. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not anything to do with what biblical truth tells me. 
and, and we, you know, we've kind of hit that, is that idea that all have chosen hell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there uh, is none righteous, no, not one. Yeah. John, John 3.18, hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that verse that says that um, uh, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. Yeah. He came into the world to save the sum. Yeah. And, and that idea has in it that uh, we've already made that choice. Mm-hmm. God did not make that choice. Mm-hmm. We did. Mm-hmm. We have chosen hell. And in a sense, what you have, even through this, the unveiling of the story of Scripture, is um, instance as after instance, historically from the very beginning, where humanity always chooses hell. Always. Right? You, you get that from, from post-creation, you know, post-Adam and Eve, although they make their choice of not God also, um, through their children and through their descendants, all the way through the people of Israel, all the way through to the New Testament— the, the one of the, one of the constants of scripture outside of just God and his character is that humanity always chooses evil right. and, and that introduces a third concept here right because we're talking fr- choice we're talking free choice right that concept comes up whenever we talk about God choosing out of the many some to be saved mm-hmm. the answer to the question is always well what happens to free choice mm-hmm well, there really isn't free choice. Ooh. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther wrote an entire book on this called The Bondage of the Will. Mm-hmm. Pick it up. It's worth reading. Um, there isn't really free choice. There is something called free moral agency. Mm. Yeah. Which boils down this to... Is like, this is like theological terms of the week. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're overwhelming we're, people. Hey, it's been a, we've been away for a while, guys. So yeah, we're, hey, we're, we're trying and, to catch you up. Yeah, yeah, we're giving you some bonus content. Yeah. Okay, so free moral agency. Free moral agency says that I am free to choose that which I will choose. <laughs> it's not that I'm free to make a choice between A and B. That's uh, that's actually, a, or A and something that isn't A. Hmm. That's That's actually a concept coming from American pragmatism and a guy named Henry James. Hmm. Um, Free moral agency says that I am conditioned by my humanity and by my environment, both, to make choices that I will choose. And I am, in very many ways, because of my humanity and possibly because of my environment, frozen into making the choices that I make. Hmm. And what God does in choosing us unconditionally, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but what God does is he breaks the pattern of free moral agency and gives us a different direction to make a choice. Hmm. Hmm. So we'll talk about irresistible grace later, Mm -hmm. but the reality is that God is the one who breaks in and offers grace. Otherwise, we would continue down the road toward hell. Mm-hmm. Because our so our 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 freedom of agency, our free uh, freedom to choose right and wrong, in that freedom we are we are preconditioned both because of our sin nature and our human nature and our environment to choose wrong. Choose wrong, absolutely. Yeah. And we will choose wrong, sure, given the opportunity. Yeah. And so, God intervening in His creation 
has given a second choice. Right. Um, right. And we now have a second choice right. that is free to choose. Free. Free, 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 free. And most will still not choose it. Yeah. Well, well, we're going to talk about irresistible grace <laughs> on See, another day. These are linked ideas, they right? They are and linked hard. ideas. They yeah. really are. But the whole concept, I guess, I guess we can preview the concept by saying that the choice that God gives us in salvation is so overwhelmingly right that no one would ever choose anything different mm-hmm. if they were actually truly offered it. Yeah. So, you, yeah. yeah. You live in poverty. You're given a chance to inherit all of Jeff Bezos' wealth. Yes. And, and it's, not, it's not somebody, it's, it's not, it's Jeff Bezos himself who's offering it to me. It's not somebody, it's not some Nigerian prince. Right. Calling yeah. me on the phone and saying, hey, Jeff Bezos wants to give you. Yeah, just link me your bank account number and Ex- I'll. Yeah, no, it's. Make it's, a series of deposits. No, it's he himself who has the wealth. Yes. And at that point, presented with that gift. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll get there, though. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, We'll though. dig right. into that one more. Right. Soon. Right. Um, but I guess that's the, that's, that, that scratches the surface is the idea of, of, of election. Um, where do people go in Scripture to get some of the better? We talked about Titus. Um, I, I think was it Ephesians 1 that talks if, about God choosing us. Ephesians 1 talks about how we're chosen according to the purpose of His will. Mm-hmm. And obviously you come to Ephesians 2.8. Which is, I mean, this is a verse that we use yeah, you, to share the gospel on yeah. a regular basis. And let's face it, it's for by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Ooh, yeah. that's a pretty right. So stark you have that statement. that whole thing there, right? And a lot of us, depending on your background, you start to focus on the through faith. Well, then through faith that comes first, and then comes the grace. But that verse nine is so key to this. It's not of yourself. So. Right. Yes, there is this faith aspect that comes, but it's for, by grace, right? Not through the agency of grace, you know, using the agency word, because of grace, because of the existence of grace, because of the work of grace, because of what grace inherently is, coupled with our faith. Grace first yep. leads to faith. Yeah. Leads to salvation. Yes. Yes. Whew. Good word. All right. Unconditional election. Some of you are going to have a lot of questions about this, and you've just we've just created more of them, and that's awesome. You Hooray. can check us out. It's a podcast at marshcorner.com, or if you are uh, if you're actually part of our church family here in Methuen, Massachusetts, and you just want to like pull us aside and ask us more questions, um, feel free to do that. We'll uh, we'll let you know what we know, and uh, and I'll point you on to PG so he can tell you more. Um, so, (laughs) but yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's our theological term of the week. The theological term of the week. Now we are, like we've said, we're back here in the podcast studio after some time away. My wife and I had an amazing vacation. We had, uh, we had all of our Christmas programming here at the church after all of our Christmas programming, we had all of our Omicron programming here we at the church. Omicron, yeah. yeah. So lots of people with sniffles and colds. Thankfully, that's all it really was in our congregation, which is a, a huge blessing from God. And it's really the first time in the two years of this whole thing that we've had any significant numbers of people sick in our yeah. church because of yeah. COVID. So that's it's a blessing that when that kind of that finally came around and and knocked on our door, that you know the majority of our people were 
healthy enough to face it and walk through it. So that's a blessing. But we're all back, uh, and we're here, and uh, we're hoping. Every least, Sunday, we're back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely back. And and hopefully every, well, soon Monday. We're, we're, we're in the studio in midweek here, but... Um, we're as a as a podcast. We're back in a saddle. We're rolling. Yay! But we're at this time of year, right? We're at the we're here at the end of January, um, and I'm curious. You know, I'm I'm curious about uh, those of you who are listening to this. Like, how are your January New Year resolutions going? Ooh. And this is about that time where most people quit those. Um, it's actually like. Um, Depending on my race season for triathlons, it's usually about the time I start going to the gym because the numbers have died back off again, and now I can, you know, get my swim lane really easily. And uh, yeah, it's that time of year where people start kind of dying off on their attempt. And honestly, I I get it. I, I, I was listening to somebody talk about this on a different podcast earlier today. They're saying that like, technically, like our our new year, this person who was advocating for our new year should actually be at the summer solstice, not at um, January not 1st. Not January 1st. Wow. Okay. Um, because that is kind of like this rebirth moment. And with that, you actually have like the weather and the light and all yeah. of these moments like where you look around you and you see rebirth and newness and growth we and excitement. We should talk about that before we end this. So all right. Make a note. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when you hit January 1st and you wake up from watching the ball drop or pretending that the ball dropped with last year's recording for your kids so you can go to bed early, um, when you wake up January 1st and you look out your window... For most people in North America, you're going to look out your window to blah. Oh, man, it's awful. And then it gets worse. And yeah. You have all like this cold and gloom. And 13.2 inches of snow predicted for Saturday here. Oh, I'm hoping for more. But yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, yeah, this, this is what you wake up into. And so, like, the, our environment does, is not really conducive for success when it no. comes to fulfilling no. our New Year's goals, which are kind of arbitrary anyway because we're not good at making goals. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, are you, I don't actually know this about you. I feel like I know a lot about you, but I don't. Are you a resolution person? Absolutely not. Yeah. I, <laughs> this is what I figured, but yeah, I don't know if we've ever had the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, I, guess, I guess I'm not a resolution type of person because I am. Um, how do I say this? A, so I have a, I have a, um, a vision statement, a ministry statement for myself, mm-hmm. um, and I, I operate under that ministry statement, and you know it, it's to bring glory to, to God by, being the best pastor, teacher, and dad that I possibly can be. And, and so I'm constantly evaluating myself based upon my mission statement, not based upon, oh, it's a new year. I'm going to lose 20 pounds at the gym this year. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, my driving force is my mission mm-hmm. and uh, staying on focus and staying focused on that. And I, I do, I do um, some regular personal times when I, when I pull my mission statement out and evaluate and just kind of ask the you know, how am I doing on that concept? Mm-hmm. But it's not January 1st. No. No. And, uh, and, and I guess, you know, we operate on that idea of, uh, you know, January 1st, New Year, we're going to turn over a new leaf. And, yeah. And we're, all we're, that stuff. We've packed on the Christmas pounds. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get, you got, we, like for me, it's kind of like this, you know, you hit 
the uh, the candy tax after Halloween. Yes. And yes. And I, I just start loosening up my normal like eating habits to expand all of the things I'd like to have. And so by the time I hit like the end of the year, I'm like I step on the I go back to stepping on the scale regularly. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, ouch. That that's not what I was hoping to see. See, see my benefit was at right after right after Christmas this yeah. year. I got COVID, yeah, <laughs> and I lost ten pounds, and I'm like, yes, the best January ever. <laughs> See, I'm like, I feel like I'm one of like the hundred people left in America who hasn't gotten it. Yeah, so well. I, uh, yeah, I, I, but this whole time from the very beginning, I'm like, wait, two weeks of not being able to taste or smell, maybe I want that. Like yeah, that'll help me. Yeah, so maybe uh, somebody's triggered now. It's fine. I'm, no, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, so let, let me talk to you a bit yeah, about this. You hit the resolution time of year, thing, right? right? And you hit like, this time. I have you seen one change. So, so the third Monday of January mm-hmm. has always has has been something that psychologists call Blue Monday. Mm-hmm. Very interesting dynamic here. Um, it is after the Christmas season, so all of that excitement uh, that normally created adrenaline in your life and frenetics in your life is now over mm-hmm. and and now you're struggling with a fr- with the adrenaline rush because mm-hmm. your life has become peaceful and very quiet you also on the third monday of the month normally have just received your credit card your statement. credit card statement for all of the money that you outside of your budget spent <laughs> on christmas <laughs> that you weren't expecting to spend mm-hmm. the days are still very very short mm-hmm. and you're being robbed of of vitamin D, and it's creating <clears throat> just a natural d- depression, if you will. <clears throat> and then uh, on top of that, uh, y- you have just it's cold, yeah. it's hard, and yeah. um, all of those things go together. And they say that this is crazy. There are more suicides on the third Monday of January than any other particular day of the 365 days of calendar year. Hmm. Hmm. Because people just can't handle that darkness and all of the things that they've come out of, and they're struggling with that. Oh, and their resolutions have failed, and they finally have wheeled the the Peloton out to the street corner (laughs) if they haven't died of a heart attack on it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at least hanging their clothes on it now. Right, exactly, exactly. So... This, this is humorous. Back in the 1980s, there was a big push uh, by, uh, by Democrats in the House and Senate to try and get Martin Luther King's birthday set as a national holiday. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is back during the Reagan administration. And no one thought that Ronald Reagan would actually sign into law and approve a holiday change making Martin Luther King an actual uh, American holiday, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there was, you know, there was some racism involved in that. There was some a definite, oh, he'll never do it. Mm-hmm. But what they did to make Ronald Reagan agree to that was they took, we used to have two holidays in February, back to back. You used to have Lincoln's birthday on the 16th, and then you would have Washington's birthday on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. So February, which was a short month anyway, was rich in holidays. Yeah, plus my birthday. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big so, deal. so what they did was what Reagan agreed to was let's consolidate the the days to the twenty second, and we'll call it President's Day, 
which of course Mar Ronald Reagan was born in February too, so I guess he's honoring himself. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, let's let's make that President's Day. We'll celebrate all of the presidents, Washington and Lincoln and, and Reagan, <laughs> and and we'll take that holiday because he Reagan's issue wasn't wasn't the race issue. Reagan's issue was we can't just be handing out federal holidays willy-nilly for every last thing that comes down the road. So Reagan said, all right, let's take a holiday we already have and we can move it to January. And yes, we can call it celebration of Martin Luther King's birthday. So that's what they did. They, they took, they, they got rid of a holiday in February and moved it to January. And one of the driving forces in Reagan's thinking is, this is an awful day mm. anyway, the mm -hmm. third day. Monday in January is an off. Let's give everybody the day off, hmm, mm -hmm. and maybe they'll adjust better to that whole thing because all of that stuff. Everybody needs a break again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just depressing. It's discouraging, and 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 you're you're still twenty pounds heavier than you wanted to be. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You spend all of that money on that really expensive treadmill, and, and you haven't used it. It, yeah. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah. 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 And it's so dark and it's never going to get light again. And <laughs> and we we don't handle that. We don't handle failure well. Mm, mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking about when we were, we were talking about playing with this idea for a topic. Um, and that is this idea of here's the problem I think that we have. In addition to like all of these environment things that make life hard. Yeah, that, that set us up for failure. I, I, I think that the, the, those two sides of things where we, we don't handle failure well, and so what we end up doing is just kind of just curling up and giving up on things. And then the other part of it is we don't actually set good goals to begin with or set up a good like pathway for success to begin with. Right. We, we tend to sit, look at like outcome goals rather than process goals. Uh, and so we'll say, I want to be, I want to weigh 165 pounds by the end of the year. Right? I'm yeah. trying to find, was that the national average for men or supposedly? Um, it's like, I'm trying to uh, hit. They'd have to wire my jaws shut. I think I was 165 there. pounds in seventh grade. But anyway, so the, uh, um, yeah, so I want to hit this specific number. And if I'm not making progress toward that specific number, then it's failure. Or I want to write a book this year or um, I, I, I want to start my own business this year or I, you know, whatever. I want to read a new book. I want to read a book every month this year. Like, and so we end up with these, um, outcome goals, uh, but we don't actually go through the process of deciding in that time, like, how do I get there? Like, okay. So my, out, my outcome goal is that I weigh a certain pound, you know, a certain weight. I lose 20 pounds. And then we just step on the scale every morning and we eat salads for like a week and we drink a ton of water for like a week. And then we see that like we, you know, we see that early success of losing some water weight of like, you know, four or five pounds or like, yeah, I'm on track. And then it stalls out and starts to tick back up again. And cause we drink water again and then we're like, ah, oh, I've failed and we give up because we haven't actually said like, these are the steps I'm going to take in order to have success at this thing I want to do. So we fail in that regard. But the other side of this is that we really do stink at dealing with failure as a people. Yeah, we do. We do. I think that we, uh, you know, when we face that moment of defeat on the third week of January, where our, our hopes are, are 
we face a setback of some sort. Um, we go to a party or, you know, and we just eat a little bit too much or, you know, or... Super Bowl is coming. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, I haven't even started... I haven't even bought a notebook yet for writing my... my Your book? My book that I'm going to write or, you know... My my library card expired, and you know I you know I can't find a good book to read on Amazon or whatever. So I'm just gonna you know forget that yeah. hope to read a book every month. Maybe I'll just get read a book this year. And so we start. What we do is we rather than like think getting to that po- first moment of failure and be like, okay, something hasn't gone right. Let me recalibrate and move, continue to move forward. We'll just talk ourselves out of the initial goal well and here's another side of this failure okay and it's it's the opposite side of that Hmm. and that is that we fail to define what the process looks like yeah so uh, we don't exactly know how we're going to hit our goal Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i'm going to read a book a week Mm -hmm. okay what what kind of books are you going to read yeah you know where are you going to get them yeah okay yeah uh, who's going to hold you accountable for that? Yeah, right? yeah. Even the whole idea, weight loss. Right? Yeah. By the way, isn't it amazing? I I think that uh, I think that Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem probably spend half of their financial their advertising budget sure. this right month, now. right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but every gym it, has a huge promo. Like yeah, that. absolutely. Well, yeah. this is when gyms this is make, make their, their money, money. Yeah. right? So I think the goal here is to actually, before you make a decision, before you set on an objective and, and state it, is to say, rather than, uh, I'm going to eat healthier this year, mm-hmm. define what that means. Right. Right? Right. Or I'm going to lose weight this year. How? How? Yeah. You know, what weight are you losing? Uh, what, what's the base point? Or even the really key question, the why? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think there's a great book out there um, by an author named Simon Sinek. It talks about starting with why, right? Yeah. Uh, this idea of like, okay, you want to lose weight this year. Why do you want to lose weight? Why well, I want to fit into my jeans from high school. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Like, that's not really a good, I want to look better for my, you know, we, we come up with these wimpy whys <laughs> and then, there's no real like driving force behind the goal. And it's one of the reasons we kind of fall apart when, when adversity comes because our why isn't very good to begin with. Uh, I think of like the classic Christian goal that happens at the beginning of every year that falls apart. Um, Last week? Yeah, probably. Or at least, you know, yeah. We'll, we'll call it at least like mid-February because that's when you start to getting the building of the tabernacle. Right. Okay, yeah. Is... The reading through the Bible. I'm going to read through the Bible in this year. year I'm going to do it. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna. I'm gonna be part of a read. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read my Bible. And yeah. you, some, you might go out and get yourself like a brand new like version that you don't Ooh, already yeah, own. Yeah. Um, you know, or you'll get into like a reading plan on your on the Bible app, and you'll sign up for it, and you'll start January first, and you'll set that little notification, and then you just you get to the yeah. I, I feel like once once the Israelites have left Egypt. And they're wandering around in the wilderness. You start you, wandering, you start around, wandering too. around too. Yeah. yeah, and and you fall off because because a like yeah I I I get it like the the end of the Pentateuch is kind of hard, um, but you didn't have a very good why. Like why did you want to be in the Word? 
Right. Um, and you didn't really have a good group of accountability people around you, perhaps, who would be able to say, hey, I noticed you didn't read this morning. What's up? You know, you get get it in before the end of the day. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, yeah. maybe you didn't have good accountability around you. And at the end of the day, like, you just, you face, you miss a day. You're like, oh, well, tomorrow I'll have to read two days. Right. I'm going to catch exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, you know, and then you miss, like, a weekend because you forgot and got busy. And now you've got, like... 15 chapters to read to get back on track and it just feels overwhelming because reading 15 chapters of the old testament will take you a whole 20 minutes minutes. yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah and so we talk ourselves out of the goal and we we dry up and try again next year and this is not us trying to talk you out of that goal uh, because you know only 19 percent of evangelical christians have actually read the bible all the way through Hmm. which is shockingly awful yeah right um i get that it's a tough it's a tough lift Mm -hmm. maybe it requires some um training Mm -hmm. to actually accomplish the task uh and and i think that that's another thing we've talked about accountability and so on but you know sometimes when you pick up a goal you have to actually train for it before you actually do the goal Mm -hmm. i mean I'm, i'm talking to the choir here because you know Marathons, dopey runs, yeah, uh, Iron Man, all, Iron that Man yeah. all that stuff. You have, you, you don't just go out and say, "Hey, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run twenty six point two miles today." Yeah, you know? not typically. Yeah, no, it, it that, takes honestly. Like, I think the getting into endurance sports has taught me so much about my spiritual life. It's, it's really, and even my ability is to be a, a good goal setter and. Um, I don't know, a functional adult. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, this isn't, I know it's not for everybody. Uh, um, I'm not even sure, honestly, it's a, for me, I was joking with a friend last night that I'm like a, rhino- a rhinoceros pretending to be a gazelle. But <laughs> the, uh, um, the, what it is, this whole thing has taught me, like, I can't, I, I, I pick these events to do that are so daunting that you can't just show up at the start line and do them. Um, it would be disastrous. Um, and it requires doing the right thing today in order to get to that goal that's down the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the biggest thing I learned in this whole process. And it's actually changed a lot about other things in my life. I, I, um, I've always, I, I'm a pastor. I've always, like, I do enjoy being in my Bible. I do enjoy scripture. I deeply enjoy scripture, but the actual process of being in the word daily, um, it, it is that has been something for the last three or four years that has just become part of who I am, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that there was an era in my life where I was in the Word for study, for for preparation for a talk or uh, something I was writing or something like that, but not necessarily a daily habit of just for my own nourishment. Um, but, you know, doing the right thing today has be, has been this transformational thought for me. And it is... It has really made massive goals really palatable, and, and, and I think that's a, that it, maybe that's a helpful thought for a lot of you out there who who create these huge goals but don't know how to get there, is to break that down into what is the right thing I need to do each day in order to get to that eventual goal. So the failure here, the failure here, isn't necessarily setting the goal; it's setting the wrong goal, mm-hmm. right? So. Let's put the Bible reading thing into perspective and use it as a tool. Yeah. Right? Maybe your goal for this year shouldn't be to read through the Bible in the entire year. Hmm. 
I have now created all kinds of turbo oil. <laughs> I do that on a regular Some of you were level. already teetering on the edge, and now you're <coughs> like, well, PG said, I don't have to read through this all year. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so so here's, here's the goal. Instead, maybe the goal is to teach yourself how to read every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are some tools that I often recommend to people mm-hmm. kind of as a preliminary goal for actually developing the goal of being able to read through the Bible every day. So, like, my favorite one is uh, it isn't that you have to read through the whole Bible. You need to read the Bible. Yeah. It's just take five minutes, not 15, not just take five minutes and... Uh, you. Uh, object number one is take five minutes and read your Bible every day until you get something. Hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like fishing to eat, mm-hmm. right? There are people who fish to eat, and there are people who fish for sport. People who fish to eat fish until they have enough fish. Mm-hmm. So they will fish until they pull out one good fish that's enough for them to eat, and then you know what they do? They hang up their they hang up their fishing pole, and they go and they eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People who fish for sport, uh, they go out and they they fish, and they'll fish all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they just love they pull the fish out, you know, maybe throw the fish back in, you know, keep a couple of them. But they'll they'll fish all day. I I went. I'm not a fisherman. I had a guy in my one of my churches who was a fisherman, had a nice boat. We went out on his boat. We fished. I'm like, quite honestly, I was not a fisherman. He was thrilled. He's pulling fish in right and left. And I think I actually caught one. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like saying to myself, what does this guy do with his life? How can he... St-? And, and now I'm offending fishermen, right? <laughs> how could How could he... <clears throat> You know, there's some people who they fish all day. They 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 love the catching experience, mm-hmm. but they go like what, you know, a handful of times a year. Maybe I mean, back when we lived in back when we lived in in New Jersey, there are guys that went every single morning down to the ocean and they were fishing every mm-hmm. single morning, mm-hmm. E- mm-hmm. even in the even in the cold. Right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things you have to do is first of all you have to, you have to learn how to fish to eat. Mm-hmm. So. You know, maybe the objective is don't try to read through the whole Bible. Just read till you get something. Mark where you let off. Maybe write down what it, what it was that you got and, and, and learn to fish to eat. Yeah. And then the second thing is to develop um, a pattern or a, discipled, a, a disciplined way of reading. And my disciplined way of reading style, style is uh, I tell people to just take the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite tool for this. Proverbs has 31 chapters. Mm-hmm. Just like the longest month of the year has 31 months. Days. Days. Yeah. Longest, longest month of the year has 31 days. Mm-hmm. So 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31 except for February, right? So that means that I'm going to learn, I'm going to start reading, and I would do this for 12 months. Mm. Just read through the book of Proverbs for 12 months. Mm-hmm. It, it, it won't get old. Mm-hmm. Believe me, yeah, it won't get old. Transformational. I right. love it. So just take the book of Proverbs this year and read through it every day, and you read the proverb that aligns with the day. So today is uh, January 26th, so if you were starting today, you would go to Proverbs 26 and read it, and mm-hmm. you're going to say, PG, 
Don't I have to start at the beginning of the book? No. You'll get there. You'll get there, right? <laughs> so there are 31 days in January. You're going to read every day, and you're going to read Proverbs 31, and then when February 1st comes, you read Proverbs, you read Proverbs 1. Mm-hmm. And this year doesn't have a leap year in February, so you're going to get to Proverbs, you're going to get to February 28th, and you're going to read, you're going to read Proverbs 28, and March 1st comes, and you're going to skip, <gasps> yeah, you're going to skip Proverbs 29, 30, and 31. Don't I have to read those? No. Just read the one that comes with the day. Mm-hmm. What if... What if you have a very busy day on February 5th and you don't get to read Proverbs 5? Do I need to read Proverbs 5 on February 6th and read Proverbs 6 too? No. Skip it. You missed it. You'll get it next month. You'll get it in March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll get it in April. <laughs> yeah. You'll get it in May. Yeah. yeah. Right? Just, just so here's the deal. What you're doing is you're training. Yeah. This is training. You're training yourself to get into the Bible every single day. First of all, it, you know, basic level, you, you're fishing to eat. You're reading to feed. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. Second level is you're reading to develop a discipline and a habit of actually reading every day. And if you read the book of Proverbs, corresponding with the day of the month, you will eventually get to a point where you are reading Almost every day, and most distinctively, the days that you miss, you're not going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'll get it tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Now, now you're in a place to catch the big wave, and you're ready to say next January 1st, if that's the day, you're going to say, okay, this year I'm changing my things up. I'm going to read through the Bible mm-hmm. in the entire year. Or even I'm going to read through the Old Testament this year, or the New Testament yeah, this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's just, yeah, getting there is key, and 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 being able to just develop that pattern of opening it and reading it is, is so so important. Before you flip to your Facebook feed or your news feed on your phone over your breakfast, um, open your Bible. It's, it's you read it. It's it's sitting. It's already on the device that you're holding and staring at. Start there before you know, and just create that little moment of discipline that helps inform the rest of your day. And, and, and this is the thing I think for a lot of these goals, like do the right thing today, you right? Know, do the right thing today, and tomorrow takes care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And using that proverb structure, there's no means of failure mm-hmm. other than you stop. Right. 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 I mean, you miss a day, you haven't failed. Right. right, you miss a week, you haven't failed. Right, you know what day to start on. You know what day to start on. Yeah. So, what do you do? What would you advise people who have hit this point in the year already, and they're feeling like a failure because they've not met goals that they'd hoped to meet? So, the f- the first thing I would say is that guilt is a tool of Satan hmm. that he uses against men to defeat them. Um, I, I, I often, I, I distinguish the believer-unbeliever motivation. An unbeliever is motivated by guilt because Satan is moving them to see that they're failures. 
An unbeliever or a believer is moved by conviction where the Holy Spirit is identifying things that need to change. They're totally different because guilt has no solution. Hmm. And, and you see that, by the way, in, Proverbs, in uh, Psalm 32, where David is confessing his sin, and he says in the confession of his sin that God not only forgives him his sin, he forgives him the guilt of his sin. Hmm. So if you've made a commitment to do, you know, run every day or, you know, read your Bible every day or eat healthy or lose 600 pounds or whatever, <laughs> if you have already failed, number one, do not be guilty. Mm-hmm. Number two, find a way of redeeming it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, don't allow perfection to overcome good. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's that's kind of what we've been alluding to here is this whole idea of well I missed a day so mm-hmm. therefore I I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna meet my schedule mm-hmm. I'm 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 done. Or I've missed a week. I, I'm not going to meet my schedule. I'm done. I, I can't save this. Don't allow, don't allow the perfect to become the enemy of the good. That's Voltaire, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it, it could be biblical, right? Mm-hmm. God, God doesn't leave us in this state of, of you need to be perfect. <laughs> Actually, very interesting. You know the scripture. The scripture says that, you know, we're, we're supposed to be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the work of what the scripture does in our life, but it doesn't necessarily mean we are. Hmm. Hmm. Um, God always encourages us to be blameless, hmm. which means living up to our spiritual age. Hmm. Hmm. So, um, you know, it, God just wants us to, be, to, to work toward blamelessness. Hmm. And, and I think that there are a lot of times when we allow perfection to overcome great things that God wants to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and in so many places, you know, the the the, the reading through the Bible is an obvious one. Um, in 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 my workout world, like you know, thinking through, like you know, if I miss a run or if you know I'm supposed to run an hour and I manage to get like 25 minutes in and I'm just not feeling it, and I can walk away from that feeling failure because I didn't get what was prescribed to do. Um, and I think one of the problems you, that you can run into is, you know, like, well, I didn't do what was on my list to do uh, for for the day or for my goal, or I didn't complete it all the way, and so I might as well not even try anymore. And, and we, so we start to talk ourselves out of doing the right thing. Yeah. And then you, that decision creates its own momentum, and it becomes something that is too difficult to overcome. Um, it's, it's that, you know, Newton's, Newton's law re- applies to goals, just like it applies to objects, like an object at rest stays at rest. Um, and an object in motion wants to stay in motion, you know, until another force acts upon it. And, um, and, and a lot of times with these goals, like you're creating these forces that act upon your goals that prohibit your forward momentum. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and so when you come across failure, Big, okay. Oh, yeah, well. absolutely. I'll get it tomorrow. Exa- and, and see, that's something that I learned from, uh, I, I read a book by Stephen Covey many years ago called uh, The Eight Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. which I, I am constantly referring to that book. Uh, people come into my office and they'll, 
talk to me about goal setting. They'll talk to me about, you know, wanting to be leaders. And, and I said, this is, this is the book. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most important books that you can grasp because it helps to put some order into your life. And one of the things that Covey does, of course, Covey writes this really awesome book. And uh, he talks about, in his book, he talks about his own planner. Uh, back in the day when you actually had day planners. Oh, yeah. Paper. I those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and after he talked about it, his publisher thought it was such an awesome idea that they actually published the... The, uh, the planner. The planner. You know, sure. the highly effective the, the highly effective planner. <laughs> never, make an never miss an opportunity to make never, a book. Never. Yeah. Never. Never. So, you know, one of the things that Covey talks about is you, you set your priorities. And, and then you, you, you set the things you want to accomplish this week. You put numbers on them, like 1 to 10, mm -hmm. right? And he said, then you put them into your week. Mm -hmm. But he said, you never put more than three objectives in any one day. Mm -hmm. He said, don't overschedule. Mm -hmm. Which is the other thing we do that helps us fail, is that we, we, we make our goals too tight. Mm. We make our objectives too to we want to accomplish way too much in one day than we actually should mm -hmm. and and so covey says you know number your goals put them in the day you're planning on using if you don't accomplish everything in like if you have three goals for this tip for today and you get two of them done guess what your first goal is tomorrow morning <laughs> The third. The third. Yeah. You don't. You don't just say, "Oh, I'm not going to accomplish that," and wipe it off. It priority-wise, it was more important than number four. Mm -hmm. So you make it your goal for tomorrow. Yeah. Just roll it. Just yeah. keep rolling those goals, and and that's how it works. So put that into perspective with our Bible reading conversation, right? Let's say, let's say you have made the goal of reading through the entire Old and New Testament this calendar year. You've done the prep work. You've done the. You, you've you've learned how to to read to feed. You've uh, you've learned how to uh, to to get into that discipline of reading every day with the Book of Proverbs. You get going, and you know next week you are in that tabernacle moment, and you are wondering why you need to read this entire list about otter skins. Mm -hmm. And boom, it's gone. And you say to yourself, "Man, I'm done. I can't do this." Uh, and you get to March, and you haven't read past, you know, Exodus 30. Mm -hmm. uh, guess what? In March, pick it up, read it. Yeah. Don't don't read it to cram. Right. Maybe maybe the goal isn't... Is, is, it, is it the disaster that you get to, like, January 20th before you finish your Bible reading for the previous year? Exactly. Is, is the goal to do it in a year, yeah. or is it the goal to do it? Yeah. Right, that's that's you know, it's it's right along the lines of I I mean uh, your triathlon experience, mm -hmm. your 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 Ironman experience. Right, you had a time goal, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. may want to tell tell this story so you're not letting me hang out here, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, it, I had it, a, a time goal. I did not get it, but I I had a big goal, and then I had like a reach goal, right? Like I had like this, the the main goal was to finish the Ironman. You know, and the reach goal was to do it in a certain time frame. Um, like, you know, if I hit this, like, if everything goes right, I'm going to aim for this this time. Um, and when that didn't happen, like, I had the option at that point to be like, ah, 
this whole experience. I, I guess I guess I'm not going to be the kind of Iron Man I was hoping to be. Like I told all these people what my like reach goal was, and they're going to see that I didn't finish in the time frame that I was hoping to finish in. Like I'm going to go several. I'm going to go a couple. I can't remember. I, no, see, it doesn't even matter. I, I'm going to go a couple mo- hours past what my initial time goal was. Um, at the end of the day, like none of those people care. Like, like most people don't even care that I did an Ironman. I, honestly, like it's it's just, it's like being a vegan. Nobody cares. So like, <laughs> um, but like, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is that I, I have you know I have finished one of these epic races, and, and whether I finish that in like a world record time in like under eight hours, or I squeeze in just before the final call at midnight, like. At the end of the day, I'm, I've, I've finished and have completed the goal. But we, we get that, you know, we do the same thing with Bible reading or any other, like, with t- regular tithing. Um, like, you know, we, we create the goal. I need to tithe this year. I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to write my budget in a certain way that allows me to um, live on less and give God first, and um, which I, I know is hard, especially when inflation's insane, cost of living is insane, like to make that goal and to get into like this time of year where that credit card bill is hit and you're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to afford this? Uh, and then you say, well, you know, I, you know, I have 10% of income that I was putting away, like I, that would help me get there. And so we start to, you know, we talk ourselves out of these goals because we didn't hit them ideally. Right, right. And then we give up altogether on them. Right. So here's a couple of questions. Did you figure out what you did wrong on your marathon or on your Ironman to make you not hit your goal? Yes. And, and you, you understand how to correct it? Yes. All right. So here's the crazy question. Now you know how you would correct it. Would you run another Ironman? Yeah. And see, that's the thing. That's the thing. If, if you, let's say you set this goal of Bible reading, we've, we've come a long way from failure, but I think we've stumbled into something really awesome, mm-hmm. right? If you set this goal to read through the Bible this year, and it's not going to end on December 31st, you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep running. You're going to have, you know, maybe you have to run through February of next year, right? Mm-hmm. But you're still going to, here's what's going to happen. You will have accomplished the goal. You will have actually read through the Bible in the entire... You, you will have read through the Bible. Forget the year. entirety, yeah. You will have read through the Bible, which is something that we've already said. 80% of evangelicals haven't done. 80% of evangelicals haven't done, yeah. right? You will have read through the Bible. You will have figured out, probably, in reading through the Bible, why your goal wasn't reach your time goal wasn't reachable you've met the main goal you'll figure out what the time goal problem was maybe it was time of day maybe it was busy schedule maybe it was uh, you just don't have time on saturdays Hmm. right having done that what will what you will do is you'll actually mentally develop a means of overcoming that and it will make doing it a second time more effective. Mm-hmm. You know what's cool? We did that. We did this goal thing back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2019, we said to our congregation, read through the Bible in this year, 
everybody that reads through the Bible between January 1st and December 31st, we're going to make a great dinner for you. And uh, we had all kinds of people. We had, we probably had 30% of our congregation mm -hmm. show up for that dinner. Maybe more, more like 40%. Yeah, it was awesome. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And then COVID hit. But anyway, <laughs> we, we had, probably had 40% of our congregation that read it. It was, a, it was awesome. Two years later, I've talked to some folks who were participant participants in that goal and several of them have said you know since reading through the bible in a year uh, in the last two years i've read through the bible four more times mm -hmm. so in other words they've read through the bible twice in a calendar year mm. now that they've read through it once it was the goal was accomplished i've read through the bible it stirred up a heart for them because they didn't fail mm -hmm. It stirred up the heart for them to actually read it again, and you know, one person told me, ah, "I've read through, I've read through it twice a year in the last, you know, for the last two years. I've read it in different translations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I had one. Uh, we have two young men right now that were telling me that they're working on memorizing an entire Bible book because mm. the concept of reading through the Bible is great, but it's driven them to actually memorize God's word." Because they were willing um, to go beyond, you know, all right, I failed, right? Mm -hmm. Because they were willing to go beyond, uh, there's nothing I can do, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done. Because they picked up where they were and continued to move and say, I'm going to redefine the goal and accomplish the really important task here. Mm -hmm. They're not failures. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So. Well, I hope. Which can I yeah. can I tie this? Um, yeah. I, I, a Civil War story because I'm kind of a Civil War buff. <laughs> um, there's uh, there there were three battles in the northern section of Virginia near the town of Fredericksburg. The objective was if you can get across the Rappahannock River, uh, you can you can then. Uh, move on Richmond, and the war would be over. So three different times, the Union Army crossed the Rappahannock. Hmm. Uh, the first time was uh, under a Massachusetts guy uh, named uh, Thomas Hooker, and he took his army across the, across the river at Chancellorsville, hit, uh, hit strong, strong uh, Confederate assault, and was got to a point where he actually just takes his army and goes back across the river. Mm -hmm. Second time was a guy named Burnside. He actually comes right through the town of Fredericksburg, marches right across the bridge, comes up a hill, gets mowed down terribly, goes back. New commander in 1864 is uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Grant says, we're going to cross at Chancellorsville again. Everybody says to him, well, we've tried that before, and it failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grant says, well, let's do it. And uh, he takes his army across Chancellorsville, and he gets beaten like a... He gets beaten badly. <laughs> like you, you can't actually finish that phrase anymore. <coughs> yeah, I can't say that yeah. anymore because it's going to... Whatever he, the phrase he is. He gets beaten like a mule, you yeah, know? He's yeah. like, I mean, it Poor was mule. terrible, right? Yeah. After Grant is beaten at Chancellorsville... Mm-hmm. 
He leaves his army on the southern side of the Rappahannock. Hmm. He doesn't retreat. In fact, what Grant does is something really, really crazy. He leaves his army, his defeated army, on the field at Chancellorsville and moves another army southeast to uh, another spot further down, and they get absolutely whacked. And then Grant moves his army from Chancellorsville down behind that army to another spot where they get crushed. There's one place, there's one place where Grant actually loses 5,000 dead in 20 minutes. Wow. But eventually what happens is, instead of every single one of these moves, eventually what happens is Grant actually has his entire army south of Richmond in the city of Petersburg. Hmm. And shortly afterwards, Lee has to leave the battlefield. Hmm. What Grant learned was you can fail forward. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Your failure doesn't mean you have to go back to where you were, which is what Hooker and Burnside did. Your failure is that this moment in time has been a learning lesson. What do I learn and how do I move forward? Mm -hmm. And there may be losses still ahead but how do I learn and move forward? Yeah. And, and that's, that's how the Civil War was won. Hmm. By failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I hope there's been some encouragement for, for those of you listening to this. You know, you might already be rocking your goals and, and really like in a good spot with those statistics, say otherwise, for most who are listening um, but let it be a chance to learn from failure and continue to move forward. I, I, I'd say, like, and in closing, impor- the important steps here, if you haven't done these already, like, if you've, if you've made big goals for the year, ask yourself if you've actually made big goals that uh, can be supported with, like, small goals that get you there. Like, what is the actual process you have in place to accomplish those goals? If you just have a big goal without a process, you're not going to do well. So sit down and create the process. You know, if you've already experienced failure, say, all right, this, this might not work as well as I had hoped, but my goal is still attainable if I do X, Y, and Z and actually come up with the X, Y, and Z. And then put in place like the small things that will help you accomplish the big things. Um, I, I think if you're um, on your list of things to try and do this year, if you're not regularly in God's word, is to just be in God's word. Enjoy it. Learn to... Learn to enjoy being in his word. Learn to let it nourish you and, and inform your life. And uh, learn to spend time with the Lord. I, I think that is a key thing for every believer. Um, and in all the other areas of life, we hope that you find encouragement and help and assistance in this process of growth. And uh, we'll hopefully see you back here regularly uh, coming back next week. So thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast with Pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Artwork by Caitlin Gallagher, music by San Demetrius, and engineering help from Ashley Gallagher. To find out more about us, head to marshcorner.com.